Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is here to guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you by sharing the meaning-making stories of a vast array of different people. This week, I am sitting down with author, speaker, and light and energy worker, J.J. Geronimo. I am a little bit sick, so I apologize if the intro and outro sound a little uh, nasally or sickly. That is because I do have a cold. Um, but don't worry, the episode does sound normal. It is just the intro and outro. J.J. Geronimo is the author of several books, including Seeking, 74 Key Findings to Raise Your Energy, Sidestep Your Self-Doubts, and Align with Your Life's Work. J.J. is not only an expert in supporting working women, but she is also a master light worker and leading innovator and owns her own small business and helps women in business. And she really is an expert just across the board in a lot of different ways. Um, And in the very beginning of the episode, she describes one of her kind of pillars of her work as helping women raise their frequency, which I really love. Um, So if you have a purpose or an idea or something like that that has been just sitting on your heart, this is definitely a great episode for you. This is the penultimate episode of season one of Making Meaning. And even saying that sentence out loud (laughs) feels very surreal to me because a couple years ago, this was still something that I was saying have this big idea. I have this big idea. I have this big idea. And now I'm saying this is the penultimate episode of season one. So thank you for being here for this moment and for being a part of this journey. And if you have something that's sitting on your heart like that, that, you know, maybe a couple years ago, or even now you're saying, I have this big idea. I have this big idea. Do it. Go for it. Lean into it. The worst that's going to happen is you put it out into the world and you know, nothing happens. And that's okay, because you will still have learned something from that experience that will still have contributed to your life, your story, and your making meaning journey. So I'm really, really excited to share this episode with y'all and this beautiful lifetime with all of y'all. Two weeks from now is the final episode of Making Meaning. Um, but we won't have a guest. It'll just be me, hopefully no longer sick, on the mic, talking about my favorite moments and insights and thoughts that I got from this season. Um, If you have any thoughts that you would like to share or things that you would like for me to discuss more in depth, please send me an email at thecoherecollective at gmail.com. My inbox is always open. I'm always there to have a conversation about anything, and I would love to hear your thoughts. So I'll be scanning all of the social media channels at the Cohere Collective, and my inbox will certainly be open if there is something specific you would like to discuss. So with all of that being said, let's take a deep breath and get started. (laughs) 
Awesome, JJ, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate your time and generosity of energy to be here and have a conversation with me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. This is like the best part of writing and just being involved with people is having these conversations. We can like really dive into certain topics and just ideas. I love it. Thank you for the invite. Awesome. Of course, of course. Um, So the first question that I always start with just to kind of open up our conversation and set us out on a good note is what's one thing you're grateful for right now? Oh my goodness. I'm so grateful to be at this moment in my life. Mm. I just turned 50 and I feel like I've been doing so much heavy lifting and so much discovery, not only of who I am, but how we are all connected to not only each other, but something bigger. And I am so grateful that all of that work is behind me and I can really step into that next level of knowing. Mm, I love that. Next level of knowing. Tell me a little bit more about that next level and what that stepping into. I love that visual of kind of taking that next step and moving forward into it. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Well, it has definitely been a journey and through all of my work, I've recognized that All journeys are often calculated for us to learn the lessons we've agreed to learn while we're down here. And as Mm -hmm. we move through our life, if we're lucky enough to have the wisdom to recognize that many of the things that cross our path are, are filled with lessons and that they're lessons that really help us dive into not only who we are, but the work that we're supposed to be doing. And I feel like at this point, being at the 50-year mark, I've been through a lot of life lessons, a lot of interactions, a lot of situations. And I have learned not only through books and podcasts, but working with energy practitioners and light workers, is that a lot of these lessons come with different types of energy. And as you move through your life, you get to choose if you're leaning more into light and love or fear and darkness. And for me, I've really leaned on the side of light and love and through those lessons and self-awareness and really maybe like dissecting some of those situations, I've been able to kind of release some of the energy that was no longer serving me and lean into what is calling me. I love that. And leaning again, leaning in is again, such a visual representation of that. And I just... I love hearing that almost embodied version of stepping into this energy, right? Because it's like, yes, it is a cognitive practice, but it's also getting all of that feeling into your body. So I love that visual. Um, The second question, I always ask everyone to really bust open wide. Um, All the things we'll talk about is to please tell me your story. Um, I know that that's a very broad question. Of course, we can't get into... The entirety of your story in the next answering of one question but however you interpret that question and whatever you feel called to share i would love to hear all about your story well i think part of my life creed is to help women raise their frequency and empower their impact mm. through strategies and practices that i've tested myself And I've taken much of my learning and finding. I'm in human design. I'm a number three. 
which is a big trial and error number. And I, through all of my trial and tribulation and life journey, I've been able to pull out best practices and lessons and insights that I've incorporated in three books now. And just as of last week, all three books are award-winning books. Congratulations. And it's really given me an opportunity to have conversations with women on a one-to-many basis that talks about common obstacles, fears, self-doubts that have hindered many of us in ways that sometimes we don't want to admit. And I recognize that many women uh, are overproducing and over-delivering, and I feel like they need some insight and some experience to really sidestep what may not be holding them back or could be holding them back, you know? And for many of us, it's hard to do that alone. And I think leading a charge of with vulnerability and talking about my fears and self-doubt, it gives other women the opportunity to say, yeah, me too, me too. And with that, I've been able to connect many of them to energy practitioners, light workers, career coaches, and other women in my network to help them understand what they need to really illuminate their path. Absolutely, absolutely. So I love how servant oriented you are right and as you talk about stepping into this next level of awareness a lot of that for you has been about helping others and helping them along this path as well and of course not everyone's path is going to look like that but when did you first start realizing that helping others with asking these kinds of questions and stepping into this raising their frequency right how did you kind of discover that that was your calling what you were being called to do I didn't know it, honestly. I didn't know it. I was trying to really just survive at certain times in my life. I had a really intense job in high tech in the Silicon Valley, and I had kids in my mid-30s, and I was doing what I thought was expected of me only to find that I was losing myself and my yeses. And so Mm -hmm. in that process, I tried all kinds of things. You know, I tried book clubs and church groups and, you know, different types of gatherings. And it wasn't until I realized I had to create my own gathering because I wasn't really, I wasn't getting what I needed out of it. And once I created that gathering back in 2008, the women were sharing such wisdom with me and such insight of how they've moved through having it all and really trying to have a foot in family life, a foot in professional life. And I started writing things down for my daughter Little did I know when I started doing that, that that was eventually going to become a book, but it really was out of my own need to get more centered and to figure out how to juggle all the things that are thrown at women. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Talk to me a little bit more about, because of course this is a journey that men go on as well but I absolutely agree with you that there is a complete difference in terms of expectation for women talk to me a little bit more about your draw to help women specifically and the differences you've kind of seen in those journeys Uh, (laughs) that's a really funny question I love it because I mean I guess it depends where you live in the world I think it depends on how you were brought up it depends on how much you like yourself and how much you are a pleaser or maybe you lean on the side of perfectionism I mean all of those things come into play and I think every household 
at least in the United States, can be so drastically different. Mm-hmm. But from my experience, and that's really the only point I can speak from, is I think it's hard. I think it's really hard as a woman in the U.S. to have all these options, which is amazing. And we're so blessed that the women before us and the Now Network and others have made that possible. But I think we've, we've, we're still trying to figure out how to manage it in a way that we're not depleted. And I'm not sure we've done that yet. And I mm-hmm. think about my daughter and my nieces and my godchildren and other people. And I just feel like, have we done a disservice to the women behind us? Because I don't think we've done a good job with boundaries and expectations because so much was given to us, which is so amazing, but almost to the a fault where we feel like we can't say no to anything and we're trying to be, you know, everything in all aspects of our life, which leaves many people depleted. A hundred percent. Well, and I think you're spot on that, you know, when you've been given so much, it feels like you are doing a disservice or turning something down when you say no and you want to be able to embrace all those things. But of course, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup and it's impossible to say yes to everything. Um, so when you come across women in these gatherings and in the different um, work that you do with all of these women in your life, how do you begin to help them unlock the power of saying no, the power of embracing boundaries. Um, And of course, boundaries is such a hot button word right now in our zeitgeist and in, you know, the mental health movement. But I think that's for a reason that this is kind of coming up a lot for a lot of people. So how do you kind of start helping women embrace the power of boundaries and no? Mm. It's a great question. It's a great question, and it's such an important question. I'm lucky in the fact that I get to do a lot of speaking, so I do a lot of one-to-many, which I love because I really feel like it can reach so many people. And not everything I say resonates with everybody, and that's a beautiful thing because you have to be on a certain frequency um, to sometimes connect with certain messages. And we're all where we need to be. Our journey is perfectly orchestrated for us, but I think if someone's listening to this per se, like they're they're really likely to be on our frequency and they're ready for whatever is to come their way with the what they hear that we're exchanging. And I feel like the same way when I speak a lot at different women's events, I can talk about different hurdles and obstacles and share how we are more alike than we're different. But then I often give, you know, reference to the books and the charts and the podcast so that they can follow up on the content that calls them because no one hour, an hour and a half is going to be able to really provide such depth of knowledge to make a shift. I think if you hear something that resonates with you, doing the research to figure out how to use that in your life, that then you can benefit from it as others have in the past. Absolutely. I think that's super powerful because you're right. One hour is not, while it can, you know, start planting these seeds to be able to grow, you got to water it. You got to nurture that, right? And really focus on continuing that work. Um, so to kind of use this notion of continuing that work to segue into your wonderful book, I want to make sure I get the title right, Seeking 74 Key Findings to Raise Your Energy, Sidestep Your Self-Doubts, and Align with Your Life's Work which how beautiful is that title? 
Um, I really want to dive into some things that popped up for me personally as I was working through this. Um, And the very first thing that just kind of struck me is in the preface when you talk about feeling this calling to write a book or feeling this moment that you're ready for this next thing, but also not feeling fully ready and choosing to do it anyways, choosing to look self-doubt and fear in the eyes and say, you know what? I'm being called for a reason. I'm going to take that step forward. I'm going to lean into it. Right. Can you speak a little bit more to that process of overcoming self-doubt and overcoming those negative voices that get stuck in our head, even when we feel called to do something, it's so easy to tune it out, right? So I would love to hear your thoughts on tuning that in. I love that question. I love that question. And I refer to those thoughts or ideas or suggestions that you might get as a whisper. It's Mm -hmm. an idea that comes up. It might come up once or twice. It might take months before it comes up again. But we all get whispers. And sometimes we're not really connected enough or aware enough to hear them. But sometimes we'll hear a glimpse of it. But oftentimes our ego kicks in immediately and says, oh my gosh, who do you think you are? Or that's never going to work out. Or you can't do that. In fact, this has happened to me three or four major times in my life. So the first time when I connected business women, when I started that business group, I had the idea in 2006 to start the women's group, but it took me two years to start it. And it's not because I didn't have the time or the money or this excitement about it. It's because I told myself, who am I? Who am I to start this? Who's going to come? I'm going to look ridiculous. No one's going to show up. What would I say? How would I do it? Why would I do this? So that was one time. And I eventually did it in 2008. And I really believe that that was a launching pad for the work that I'm even doing today. The second time it came to me was in 2016. There were a few other ones in between, like when I should leave my job into my full business. But in 2016, I got a message to bring the women together outside. I was speaking at a conference in Seattle and I was speaking and I just was looking out in the crowd and I just saw so many women almost like sitting outside their body. It was like, they just did not feel like grounded to me. They didn't feel like they were in it. They just felt like they just were so depleted and so just trying to be so much for so many other people. I got off stage and I started talking to this woman that came up to me uh, and just the idea of bringing women together outside. And my first thought was, you are crazy. You cannot bring women outside. You're at a conference. You're in a hotel. Are you just going to bring everybody outside? That's ridiculous. So nothing happened then in 2016, came up again in 2017, different ways. In 2018, I was taking a rental car bus from the Denver airport to the um, from Hertz to the airport and I was looking at the mountains and it came to me again you need to host something for women outside so I called an energy practitioner that I had worked with over the last couple of years and I said Dora Dora I write about this as you'll read in seeking I'm like what what does this mean why do I keep getting this she's like why are you waiting what are you waiting for and I was saying Dora I don't know what to do and she says build what you want to go to Mm. build what you want to go to and that was the beginning of my together we seek retreats within four months I had built it listed it and hosted it my first one and I just finished my ninth retreat uh just this year so 
I feel like they come, but we often block ourselves with immediate responses of why it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. So when we feel those blockages or to borrow your language, our, our ego steps in immediately with that self-doubt. How do you break through that? How do you say, okay, I hear this whisper and th- now I hear this kind of shifting telling me I can't do it. How do you shift back and say, no, I'm going to trust this whisper? Cause I think that takes a lot of courage. Um, and you know, kind of radical self-love to be able to say, no, I trust myself enough to listen to that. How would you recommend someone who maybe has never listened to a whisper before try listening to a whisper for the first time? Well, I'm going to borrow a comment from Jen Sincero. Uh, You're a badass. She says, let Mm -hmm. me just see. Let me just see what I could do. Because Mm -hmm. when you say, let me see, there's not as many expectations and you can just check it out so if you're getting whispers of things to do maybe do a little research maybe find somebody that's already doing it maybe on the other side of the country or the other side of the world maybe listen to a podcast or get a book that might inspire you further i think if you're getting whispers of things that you that are coming to you and they don't make sense to you journal on them yeah i think don't let your ego or inner like inner just fear-based self that mostly happens in the mind is why I'm like kind of moving my hand around my head right now sure don't let it block Mm. block it I'm not saying you have to start it like in 2016 when I got the idea of bringing women together outside I didn't know it was retreats I didn't really know what it meant but I knew something was coming to me and even when I left I left Mount Shasta in 2019 or 20 maybe it was 21 and it said, bring, bring the mystic women together. And I'm like, oh, there's no way. Who would that be? Why? What are you talking about? You clearly have the wrong car. I was driving out of Mount Shasta to San Francisco. And I was like, I, this is the wrong message. And <laughs> now I have a community together we seek based on the book and based on all the energy practitioners I've worked with. And I'm getting a little bit faster at turning around the whispers into action. Sure. But I guarantee you every single time I hear it, I'm like, ah, yeah, not me. Not me. It's my initial response to everything that I've done thus far is not me. Who am I? I'm not the right person. I'll fail. I'll look ridiculous. And I think when we talk about that, it just makes us feel more that we're not alone, that we all feel the same way. We are getting whispers. And if you're getting whisper, write it down, Mm. write it down, explore it. Just give it some energy or just give it a little bit of attention. Don't worry about the how. Because generally, whatever you think you're going to do right now is probably going to be different anyways. Yeah. So just like explore what it could mean or even ask for more information. I love that. I absolutely love that. And your conversation around self-doubt, I think, leads really perfectly into this other thing that I wanted to ask you as well, which is we have these immediate kind of flashes of who am I? Like, who do I think I am, right? Which I think can come a lot from our own internal monologue. But I think a lot of that is also built from societal expectations and the expectations um, of the world around us. And that can come from, you know, your family of origin. It can come from the place you grew up in. It can just come from the zeitgeist in general. And of course, some of this comes from ourselves, but it also comes from others, How do you work through distinguishing 
the difference between the expectations you've put upon yourself and the expectations that others have put upon you. And of course, I think there's a Venn diagram there where they overlap, right? And these expectations that we are internally speaking to ourselves about or limitations that we're putting on ourselves are probably influenced by um, the world around us. But how do you kind of parse out the difference between those two things and the expectations that feel in alignment with your higher purpose and the expectations that don't? Well, I think expectations in itself is heavy. Like mm. to me, you're just talking about that. I'm like, oh, that's exhausting. <laughs> it's like heavy. And honestly, whether they come from you or someone else, it doesn't really matter. It's, mm. it's just exhausting. And it's really kind of works within your mind and ego. I think, you know, the whispers because they're quiet. They're simple. Oftentimes they have no negative energy necessarily attached to them. It's just kind of like bring the mystics together bring the women together outside. I mean, it's just kind of like an idea or a concept. It's not really has anything more or less to it. And it's almost like if you train yourself, which can happen with mindfulness and meditation, mm-hmm. you can determine the difference between the voice of the soul and the voice of the mind. Mm. And I feel like it does and has taken me quite a bit of time. I'm very stubborn and, um, I really loved the fact that I could get so much done and I was such a mind-based human for decades Mm -hmm. that it took me a long time to drop into the voice of my soul. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that there's ever a way to pair the voice of the mind and the soul in a productive way or that the mind is usually um, counterproductive to the voice of the soul? Well, we all need our mind, right? We all need the activities of our mind and we do need our ego too. And I go into great depth in this, um, in the end of seeking, because Mm -hmm. I feel like you have to know when to tap into each thing. Absolutely. And it's really a beautiful thing in the sense that it gives you the ability when you're mindful, when you're in the present moment, which mindfulness teaches you how to be in the present moment, which I didn't quite understand for quite some time after like sort of going down that path. But once you practice being in the present moment, you can kind of use the tools that you have as you need them. So tapping in the voice of the soul, tapping into the mind, understanding if the ego is truly protecting you or just being overprotective. And there is quite a difference. And I think for many of us, we don't understand we have the ability to be a witness to what is happening within us. We often feel that we are what's happening within us Mm -hmm. and for many of us that can be incredibly exhausting and it gives us kind of we almost are a victim to our situation which mindfulness if you haven't heard of mindfulness or even explored it mindfulness for me was a game changer and was brought to me by a guide someone in my life that has really ushered me down that path to to explore mindfulness and I I I did it but I did it like half-assed to be quite honest And I had to keep doing it. And I finally got the hang of mindfulness after about a half a year. And I'm still practicing it of being mindful and being in the present moment. And that has given me the ability to create separation Mm. between who I am, what my mind's doing, what my ego's saying, and where my soul fits in. And I think that is a true gift 
but also a true tool that you can use to enhance your life as a human. Absolutely. And I love, um, this is a word you use a lot in sync in seeking, but also in our conversation, you've used a lot, but tool, right? That as we discover these things, it's not a one and done. It's not something that it's like, Oh, that was cool. On to the next thing. You're kind of building out this arsenal of really powerful tools that can help you continue along this path and that you can return to and rely on, which I just love because I think merging different modalities and different practices together can be so powerful. So I just love that visual around having these different tools. Um, In talking about how mindfulness has become this really powerful tool for you and separating or not separating, but being able to distinguish between the voice of the mind and using that as a tool in the voice of the soul. I think when that ego pops in and you talk about this a lot through seeking that ego can um, echo back at us the things that we're hearing from society about money about what we should be doing right you talk a lot about these shoulds like I should be doing this I should be pursuing this these whispers aren't a part of the shoulds so it makes it easy to ignore them sometimes How do you step out of that should mindset and redefine success for yourself? Um, Because, of course, I think the societal definition of success is, you know, comfort, stability, money, happiness, which all of these things, they're so ephemeral and loose. Um, How have you defined success for yourself in stepping out of those shoulds and finding a new way to feel fulfilled? Hmm. Well, it has been a process. I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, I really started down this path that is encompassed in the book Seeking in 2016. It's really when kind of things just fell apart for me and places in my life that I thought were going to be fulfilling were not. And I think all the stuff that I had been working up to that I thought was going to bring me this joy and excitement and happiness sort of just disintegrated in a lot of ways. Mm. And I was kind of left with myself. Not, I mean, I obviously had people around me, but I really felt like I was being pushed to dig deeper. And through that, I was, you know, I ended up going to a therapist. She's the one that pushed me into mindfulness. Through mindfulness, I found tapping. Through tapping, I found so many other amazing energy practitioners that have helped me over the last six to eight years. And the whole goal for me at the time was I wanted to sort of lighten my emotional load. Mm -hmm. I wanted to let go of stories and experiences and energy that was weighing me down and making me feel less than. And I needed the help of other people to do that. I just didn't know how to do it myself. And so I leaned on a lot of different practices and tools and podcasts and books because I wanted to, I kept saying, I wanted to illuminate as many pieces of myself as I could. So Mm. not only could I illuminate the path for myself, but then I could share it with others so they too could illuminate their path. And seeking is really encompasses so much of the work that I had to do from the inside out to allow myself the self-worth or create the ability, 
create the ability to have self-worth, first of all, and like myself enough Mm. that I felt comfortable saying yes to some things, no to others, to taking that solo trip, to going and spending the money on an energy practitioner. And I would say that I had to retrain myself on how to work from the inside out. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think through seeking, we really see one, your journey reflected through everything, which I think is super powerful um, to speak from personal experience to truth that you found, right? I think that's we all have our story to share and that's one of the most powerful things we can do. Um, I would love to hear more about kind of the dichotomy, but I also the way that these two pieces work together, how they're two sides of the same coin in really needing guidance and help from others and um, supporting this work in this journey, but also the necessity of doing certain things on your own. Um, I absolutely adore your key finding number 25. Throughout um, Seeking, there's key findings that you pinpoint for readers. And I love this one. It says, we're the only ones who can honor ourselves and our whispers. And right, like you, you have to be the first one to do that. However, I absolutely agree that you do need to rely on community and others. So I would love to hear how you've utilized both being someone who, like you said, you are really left with just yourself and needing to do that self-work, but also relying on community and those two pieces. It's um, a great question. Throughout my life, I think definitely yeah, from learning the first book to the second to the third it came to my attention of how important your energy is. And Mm. a lot of people don't spend a lot of time thinking about their energy. In fact, if I've asked a lot of people, like, how do you think, where do you think your energy's at? People have to sit there for a long time to think about it. And, you know, I used to talk about my first book. I talked about being a practicing polluter. And a lot of us don't even know we're practicing polluters because when we are in that energy zone, we attract people like us. And so everybody around us is kind of in that same frequency or at that same level. And frequency, you know, frequency modulation is what FM radio stands for. So, Mm. you know, are you at an 87.4 frequency? Are you at a 92 or a 98 or a 102? doesn't really matter where you're at but the idea is is you attract the frequency at which you reside and so if you are in a circle of friends or in a job or in a community connection that is not really inspiring you you're not really excited about what you're in or what you're doing it's probably because you have to adjust your frequency when to adjust your frequency you have to really pay attention to one how you talk to yourself like we talked about before you need to know are you drowning in your own self-doubt Are you drowning in that voice of who the hell do you think you are? Or do you recognize the voice? Because we all have it and Mm -hmm. it's not like you can just get rid of it. And you say, let me just see. Let me just see what I can do. So that's one thing. Are you watching and reading and listening to things that are inspiring you? Or are you watching, you know, crime shows where you feel like your body is like on edge all the time? Our mind does not know whether we're in the experience or not. I should restate that. It, your mind thinks you are inside the experience. So whether you're watching a movie or a TV show and it's happening to someone else, your body 
shares the experience mm. with that. And if you're a highly sensitive person, it's even worse. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you got to pay attention to what you say, what you do, what you watch. And if you're cognizant of that, what you say to other people, even if you're in your car, nobody can hear you. If you're swearing at other people in the car next to you, that's not a great frequency. Right. So like, right. if you want to be at a different frequency or with people that inspire you and you inspire them, you often need to raise your frequency. And so through the journey of the last, I would say 15 years, my frequency has definitely shifted. So where I started to where I am now, my community is essentially changed. How I interact with people have changed. And even the people I spend with time with has changed. And at first people will say, well, you know, that stinks, you know, this and that. I mean, I still have people that have carried through all sure. aspects of my life, but there's a lot of people now that my frequency annoys them or it's just not where they resonate with and things just kind of happen and they fall away. So I'd say trust yourself on what frequency you want to resonate with and trust that the universe will bring you the community you need to activate and mm. assimilate the things that you're leaning into. Mm, I love that. And of course, I do think that all of when we talk about listening to whispers and the rest of the things that we've kind of been discussing, a lot of it is does come down to trust, right? And trusting in the universe and trusting that these things that are coming to you are in alignment with where you want your frequency to shift to, where your path is taking you, right? So I love thinking about that and trusting that process. Um, I want to keep hanging out with key finding number 25 because I just love it so much. Um, so I really want to spend some time here. Um, when you say we are the only ones who can honor ourselves, I would just love to hear a little bit more about how honoring yourself has changed your frequency, your outlook, and kind of how this finding came to you. Because of course it's a finding, right? It's a discovery. Um, So it's something that you have to stumble into or uncover, but... How did that finding come up and how has honoring yourself changed your frequency? Well, I sit with that for a minute because I'm sitting with that thinking about so many stages in my life and the lives of many women. And, you know, whether you're in grade school or high school, You know, many people focus on the grades and the achievements and are you in the first row of the band or did you make this cheer? Are you in the sport and did you get the award? And I feel like we're trained from such an early age to look outward to determine our worth. Mm. And when I started off, you know, in working, you know, the idea of getting to a certain level or living in a certain zip code or driving a certain car or getting a certain title, like those were the things I was striving for because that's what I was taught to, like so many of us here in the States and and other places in the world. But I realized as I got closer to achieving a lot of the things that I put forth for myself that they didn't fill me up. I did not feel fulfilled. I felt tired. I felt 
like I was yearning for more joy, but didn't know how to receive it. And that's actually how I ended up in the therapist's office when I was like, I have all these accolades and all these things, but I feel so empty inside. And so, you know, she's the one that really initiated me going to some a mindfulness class. And I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I felt like I was going to somebody and like sharing like my concerns and just how desperate I felt on so many levels and I had things happening in my personal life too that were falling apart and I feel like I just felt so alone Mm. I felt so alone but now I know that almost a decade later that that was perfectly orchestrated that that situation in my life was perfectly orchestrated because it drove me to see to really find out who I was and what I stood for and what I wanted to throw my energy towards. Mm. And I feel like for so many of us, whatever situation you're in right now, if you switch it around to think, how or what is this to teach me? What is this to teach me? Because we sign up for things before we come down, in my belief, and that our life is then unfolding in a way that teaches us so many of our key lessons. Mm -hmm. But if we continue to strive external for things outside of us, we will never, ever do the work that we're here to do. Yeah, absolutely. And when you say that you are here to do, right? It's like, if it's work that you are meant to do, you have to pay attention to you, to the self, because it's what you're here to do. No one else is here to do what you are here to do, right? That's why you're here. So I love that. And continuing on the same thought, throughout the book, you frequently go back and use the two words, only you, only you, only you. And I am very big on um, embracing the self and your role as an individual and how that fits into the broader picture, of course. But I would just love to hear a little bit more about why the power of individuality is so important in this kind of work. Mm. You ask great questions. You ask great (laughs) questions. Thank you. You know, I think for me, for me, I have realized that I, I, would call myself a collaborator. I would mm-hmm, call myself course. like an extrovert in many ways that I love people and I love to collaborate and be with people and plan things. But the reality is I can only show up as powerfully as I am accepting myself. Mm. And I think for many of us, we don't give ourselves the time to really figure out who we are. And I know this because I'll often say like, did you ever go to dinner by yourself? Who's gone to a movie? who's done something other than coffee by themselves. And I mean, it's very limited. Many women are constantly around, and men too, are constantly around so many other people that it's hard sometimes to really know who you are when you don't spend time with yourself. And I probably spend more time now by myself than I probably even want to, but I feel like I've been just so much in the zone of writing this book and really really channeling what's coming through me and using my experience as a tool for others that I feel like it's time to get out in the world in a new way and do more things. But I had to like strip 
everything away so that I could really get to the core of not only who I am, but the work that I'm supposed to be doing. And I feel like only you can do that work. Like no one can encourage you. Like the, the therapist could say, go to mindfulness training. But if I chose not to do it, I guarantee you, I would have not be in this space right now. Right. And it was a lot of self it was a lot of decisions and you'll see throughout the whole book, like different times I've had to just like the bus left and I started driving to Pennsylvania to meet with this energy practitioner one time a month. And it was like, I got back just as the bus was coming down the street. And I think there were a lot of times over the last eight to 10 years that I've had to pick myself, even when I doubted that I should, I knew at such a core level that I had to do this work, not only for myself, but for so many women And I think that's what kept me going is I had a vision that what I was doing was for the greater good. Mm. And that allowed me the permission sometimes that I wouldn't give for myself to go and do it for that. Mm. The permission, allowing yourself to have this, right? Because I do think it's something that we all need, but especially as women, we're trained to put every single other person's need ahead of our own so allowing yourself to put your own needs first put your put your own oxygen mask on first right um that is just so powerful and such a powerful paradigm shift to experience and go through um in this talk about selfhood i want to tie it back to your um experience with mindfulness and meditation Because a big thing that I think meditation teaches us to do is to um, look at who's looking, right? To step back away from feeling like you are just your eyeballs or feeling like you are just inside your brain. Step back from that perspective and pay attention to, okay, well, who is that that is looking out of that space? And then who is that, right? Um, And so in light of the power of that individuality and choosing yourself and allowing yourself this time to be who you are but pairing that with this also i mean for me i don't want to speak for everyone who practices meditation but pairing it with this um really powerful question of okay it is only me that can honor this but also who is that person that is experiencing who I am, right? How do you rectify that? How do you dance with and answer potentially that question? Mm, that's such a great question and so profound on so many levels. I guess, you know, I have the vision that we are all part of a bigger light mm. and that when our eyes turn on, we are essentially embodied with a teardrop of that glorious white infinity connected all loving you know highest energy light Mm. and that that is what comes into our humanness our body that turns us on and so we are having as oprah and many would say we are having a human experience and that when we do the meditation when we do any type of mindfulness or participate in things it's about giving us some separation from the humanness of our life. And Mm. um, I was with this wonderful woman this week and she was saying, you know, our body and our mind come, you know, we embody our body and our mind. Our mind can work without our body. Our body can work without our mind. 
our soul or our spirit energy is comes into those two entities and essentially makes a tripod to make that work. Mm. And it really resonated with me because I already believed in the teardrop. And I talk a lot about the teardrop because it unifies all of us. Mm -hmm. And it also is the light that not only defines us, but illuminates our path. Mm. And when we do the meditation and mindfulness, it gives us the space to notice that there is a difference and that if we work to illuminate that light, it will illuminate our life. Mm, I love that. I love the notion of giving yourself that space to kind of just dwell in that question and allow this light to come through. Um, I want to shift gears slightly, but not completely, because in your conversation about this teardrop and it being the grand light, um, And of course, if you're uncomfortable answering any of these questions, please let me know. Um, But I'm like, I just get so curious and I want to know all the things. So earlier when we were talking about your story, you mentioned first trying out a couple different church groups. And of course, Christianity is really big in the States. I'm from Texas. I live in the Bible Belt. Southern Baptist is all around me. Um, And it's really interesting to me to see the way that people will rectify their religion with their faith um but also as people go down this path that you're talking about um how they either choose to integrate it into their faith or step away from their faith to choose another path so how do you see um religion like organized religion aligning with or not aligning with this personal work and can this teardrop from the light up above be something that we see through other religions or is it separate from well this is definitely a loaded question absolutely Uh, and so that's why i say feel please do not feel pressured to go anywhere i love it (laughs) I love it. So I just want to say, so it's interesting because I have a lot of emotion or I just have a lot of like thoughts about religion in general, but Mm -hmm. I believe religion is also a tool. Religion is a tool to allow you, whether it's scripture or groups or books or coming together, if it makes you a better person, if it helps you align with that light, if it is a tool for you to connect to a greater good, That is fantastic. And I believe religions are like cars. Not all cars are going to get you there. So if it's not the car you're in, you might change cars multiple times. I feel like through my work, um, I'm less dependent on religion because I feel like I can connect to a higher being, the higher light uh, in the meditations and in the work that I do on a regular basis. And I don't necessarily have to go somewhere to do that. I can do that on a regular basis. And I do that on a regular basis. I feel like there is some rub with me on a little bit of religion because it is so heavily in the masculine energy. And I Mm. feel like there is not enough space for the feminine, the feminine knowing the feminine connection to mother nature, the feminine intuition And I believe all people have masculine and feminine energy. So it doesn't just have to do with the gender. It has to do with the connection. And I feel like that, you know, religion in some cases have 
have hindered our ability to really tap into our knowing. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people stretch outside of themselves to connect to a higher purpose or in some cases, God or whatever the higher being is that they uh, worship or connect with that a lot of religions make it feel like it's outside of us. But if you sort of follow the concept that the teardrop is part of it, that God is or your higher being is within you and that that connection going within is actually a connection of getting closer and more connected with your higher energy and purpose that is part of something that is bigger than yourself. So I think it gives a lot of people a lot of things to to consider. Mm. I think if your religion is preventing you from connecting with yourself or figuring out more about who you are and what your path is, then you need to question, is it serving me? Is it the tool I need to connect with something that's important to me? Yeah, absolutely. And I've had a lot of people, a lot of energy workers I've worked with, a lot of people I've interviewed that say that they've been brought into a very, very strict religious household and that oftentimes that's prevented them from feeling safe or feeling connected with their work or even feeling connected into who they truly are and the work that they're here to do. So wherever you are on the spectrum, there is no mistake. And that if you're questioning your connection or your alignment or you're loving it, whatever that is, that is part of your journey and being inquisitive on why you are in the situation or circumstances you are right now will benefit you in learning the lessons you have agreed or committed to before you came down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what a beautiful answer because it really ties back into this um, tuning in with the self and doing that, listening to the whispers. And if you are taking maybe something that someone else has discovered that is within themselves and saying, oh, okay, well, that is their truth. I am now adopting this as my truth. It may not be your truth as well. And I think that that can, you know, like you were saying, it can separate some people or cloud some people from their own path, but it can also be a really powerful tool for good and for bad, right? Um, I absolutely love that. That was really illuminating. Um, Okay, I also want to ask you about how experiencing abundance is a choice. Um, Again, this is one little tiny shift, but this was something that I wanted to make sure we covered um, because I am such a believer in the energy of abundance and leaning into abundance. And that has certainly been something I've been experiencing lately that's if I'm leaning into abundance, but I'm questioning it, it doesn't quite come through as often, right? But really embracing it and saying, no, I am choosing to stay here. I'm releasing the doubt. Um, It does ring more true for me. So I would love to hear your thoughts around how abundance is a choice and how we can better make that choice. So as we talked about before, like we get to choose what frequency we want to live in. It's a beautiful mm. choice and you can change it at any time. So if you feel like you are leaving conversations depleted or people are leaning on you too heavily and you're just supporting too many people, you know, you may want to explore how you can shift your frequency. And so as we talked about, you can definitely change the way you talk to yourself. You could pay attention to what you watch, read or listen to, but you can also 
one of the other key nuggets of changing your frequency is about having gratitude for where you are and finding grace Mm. and love for the things that come your way. And these often are things that are everyday things, you know, they could be feathers, they could be a hot cup of coffee, it could be having two clean matching socks, whatever it is for you, having gratitude for where you are in your life and the things that are given to you because the universe doesn't want to give over more for people who can't appreciate what they already have. So even if you are in the most desolate situation, which there are people and there are horrible things happening in the world, I think, you know, you can find small things. Maybe you have a spider that visits you every night at eight o'clock, it comes out of its hole or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, recently, as we all know, Tina Turner passed and Mm -hmm. one of the things that, got her out of her marriage was was her practice of appreciation and her chanting and things that gave her that energy from within to believe that she deserved more. And I think for many of us, there is so much abundance around us and it, there's a lot of things that cost nothing like landscapes and cloud formations and seeing a sunset or a sunrise. And you know, I find myself saying thank you so often Uh, throughout my day because I have true appreciation for what is happening. Yes, I'm like, boom, mic drop. (laughs) The gratitude is just so powerful. And I love what you said about how the universe isn't going to give you more when you aren't practicing gratitude for what you already have, right? That is so, so powerful. Um, To round out our conversation, I have two questions that I always ask um, all of my guests as we close out. Um, And the first one is, in light of our conversation, in light of all of the things that we have talked about, is there anything that I missed? Anything that you want to clarify? Anything that you feel called to talk about? This is time for you to use as you please if there is anything else. I want to make sure you're feeling good. I just have great appreciation for having this time with you. I feel like all the work that I've done today have brought us together, Mm. which I think is a clear indicator that I'm on the right path. So thank you for the invitation and giving me the opportunity to share some of the things that I found on my path, highlighting the book seeking and giving people the opportunity to just get a glimpse of what is available to them if they feel called that there's something bigger within themselves that is really making itself known or they're not really feeling aligned in their life, that there are tools and stories and activities that can help them shift their frequency. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about these things and sharing not only your time today, but your journey and energy through your books and seeking especially, they really are powerful tools. So absolutely anyone who wants to further um, explore these questions, dive deeper into their meaning-making journey, highly, highly recommend Seeking 74 Key Findings to Raise Your Energy, Sidestep Your Self-Doubts, and Align with Your Life's Work. Um, and then my final question before for you before we round out just to tie a little bow on our conversation, what is one word that describes how you feel right now? I feel lucky. I feel lucky that all the roads have brought me here and that I get to do this as part of my life's work. I feel 
so lucky and I'm just glad I leaned into the whispers and didn't let my ego get the best of me. 100%. I'm glad you leaned into the whispers too so that I can better lean into my whispers. JJ, thank you so much for being here and sharing your light and energy with me and with the world. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you all so, so much for being here today. And I would just love for you to be a part of the conversation. So please share your thoughts on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, or now threads, all at the Cohere Collective. If you want more of JJ, you can follow her on Instagram, tagged in the Cohere Collective post for this episode. And if you want to hear my in-depth thoughts about today's episode, subscribe to our newsletter on thecoherecollective.com to catch the blog post coming out this Friday. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you feel so inclined, leave an honest reviewer rating. This helps me reach the people who will resonate with my content and hopefully reach my goal of making the world a better place. Sharing the pod is also a great way to start conversations with important people in your life. So share it with someone that you think would get something out of this or that you want to talk to about this episode. Thank you to Podington Bear for making meanings theme music and Nicole Ostriker for making meanings art and podcast cover. You can find Nicole's work on Instagram at Nicole O Creates or at Nicole O Design, and you can find Poddington Bear at poddingtonbear.com. Right now, I'm feeling, <laughs> this is more than one word, but on the up and up. Um, yesterday, I was feeling really, really not great with my sickness, and luckily, I have roommates who <laughs> I love very dearly and love me dearly and take care of me, and Um, family that's close by that can also help take care of me. So feeling grateful for that, but also glad and fortunate that I had the privilege to take a day to just relax and heal um, so that today I can be on, on the upswing. Again, thank you so much for being here, and I hope you feel like you are living more coherently. I will catch y'all in two weeks. Love. Love.